This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. This one, a T-Watts and TR edition of the podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. It is a Tuesday, March the 22nd, 2022. And Tim Watts, since we last met here on the podcast, we got Major League Baseball spring training underway the Atlanta Braves set to go for a second straight world title. Has your anticipation for the upcoming season, though, been lessened by the departure of Freddie Freeman to the Los Angeles Dodgers? You know, I thought I was going to be mad at this season. You know, I really thought I was going to be mad. The Freddie drama, which really seemed like recruiting to me. You know, I was waiting to find out where he took his talents in some kind of Instagram <laughs> post, you know, but – um, now, as a Braves fan, you know, that that was a little dramatic and uh, it, it got to be too much, you know, where just like I didn't care. I mean, I, you know, just I just waiting on the news, just like everybody else with just like with uh, Deshaun Watson, anything that drug out. But then the Braves really did well to cover. I mean, going to get the, the A's first baseman, going and signing Kenley Jansen, Kenley Jansen from the Dodgers, a closer, signing Eddie Rosario. They really did a good job. So I'm excited. I mean, I've watched spring training. Dude, it's funny to watch spring training because all those guys are wearing, like, number 70 and up. <laughs> and I just wonder, like, if you're 76 and not Cuban, do you feel awkward with that number? You know, you just like, know you're headed to Greenville or yeah, somewhere like that. That's what you know. Happened to number one, you know, and then, you know, one side you got Jalen Hurts, who's a starting quarterback. The other side you got a starting DB. And you're the third number one, you know, that's sort of what, <laughs> have you ever noticed the Cuban players when they go up in the majors, a lot of them like a brave, they still keep that number. Yeah. They yeah. Keep like 60, you know, like, Hey, I want to bring you Jersey. No, I'm 67. I'm good. So, uh, that was interesting. But yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's baseball, you know, me, it's sports. It's uh it's crazy. A lot of surprise signings, Carlos Correa going to the twins and, uh, you know, all that stuff, Freddie to the Dodgers, just a, you know, a lot, a lot of excitement. But I will say Major League Baseball, we love them despite Major League Baseball because they do everything they can to, to make us hate them. Yeah, with the Braves, it feels like they're almost getting two new players or two extra players and Ronald Acuna coming back, right, from the Absolutely. knee injury and Marcelo Zuna with his very unfortunate incident last late last May and you said it. You add Matt Olson to replace Freddie Freeman. You get him on an eight-year deal. You got some core pieces very much in place with Acuna and Olson and Albies on their deals. And uh, gosh, I don't know. It almost feels like the Braves are in a better place uh, a year later than they were at this time a year ago. 
you know, I hope this is a win-win. You know what I mean for Freddie and the Braves. I think the Braves certainly. I don't want to you know to lessen anything Freddie did. He's great, but I mean everybody knows you get into those. And Freddie's smart as far as wanting that sixth-year contract. Yeah. That year is the year everybody regrets that contract except the player. I mean everybody remembers Albert Pujols and what a great, tremendous player he was for the Cardinals. He went to St. Louis and was a great player the first three, maybe four years, and then tapered off at the end. Uh, still just a hell of a career. And I think that's a big deal, you know, when you're dealing with management. And, uh, um, you know, also Freddie having those West Coast ties. But, yeah, the Braves did well. They were aggressive. You know, we've got uh, been a Brave fan for so long. There's a certain amount of us that just expect something bad to happen. Like, you know, I think in the back of our minds, we thought Freddie Freeman will leave. And, you know, next thing we know, we're going to have Charlie Potter at first base. You know, we just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, Charlie ran a 4-5 in high school. Absolutely, so, a four-five, uh, as self-reported right here on the Bama Online podcast. He's in the four-five, fifteen-yard dash. <laughs> Poor Charlie, just, man. We just give him so much heck about that. Half a second faster than mine. So they called him the Boaz Breeze back in the day. Did you know that, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> the Boaz Breeze. Yeah, baseball's here. College basketball's here. The NBA playoffs are on the. We're 10 games left. <laughs> NBA playoffs. You know, we got spring practice here. Alabama baseball and softball weather. coming off SEC homestands. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, the weather's breaking. Although, man, did you see yesterday some of the videos from these hurricanes, these tornadoes? It's terrible, man. Did you terrible. see the red truck? Yeah, it just drove dude, off. This dude, didn't he get flipped over? He thought he was in Twister, you know, or something. I mean, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Pate, Josh Pate, who's a weather nerd, and thinks he's James Mann. Yeah, he thinks he's Mr. Twister. He you know? he's Mr. Twister, and he doesn't mean the, the floor game uh, that was played <laughs> in the seventies and eighties. He thinks he's Mr. Twister. He was he was telling me, you know, he would he he'll go get in the middle of these things. Mm-hmm. But Josh was showing me some of those videos last night, and Josh will chase that storm. He's he's not all there sometimes. Um, but Josh was uh, showing me some of the videos last night. It was uh, it was it was amazing. Back in '06 in Tuscaloosa, I got some tornado footage on uh, an old handheld camera that I was using for practice videos at Alabama football back in the day. Yeah, back when we didn't have phones to really do that with, and um, I ended up getting it to WVUA there in Tuscaloosa. And it made its way to CNN, and CNN made a phone call to me to ask to use the footage, and said they would pay for it. I said, like, I don't know what this goes. They, they paid me three hundred bucks, so I'm certified. I got a, I got a pay stub. I got a check stub. All right, for my uh, storm chasing capabilities. A blue, a blue check by the storm chaser. Yes, and I cashed that baby, so I don't have it laying I, around somewhere. I have to do that. I said he'll, he'll go. He's shown me videos. I mean, I, he's showing off. I'm just thinking how stupid he is. Right. I'm not chasing a storm when storms chase me. No, and I wasn't chasing this tornado back in 06. It just, I came up over a bluff on McFarland, and geez, <laughs> looking out over Northport, there it was. Couldn't help but see it. You well, know? Josh's point is so valid. He's like, in this day and age, how do you not know where the storm's at in your area? How do you not know between just Twitter alone you can keep up with it? You know, but emergency, yeah. we get emergency alerts on our, uh, our uh, 
iPhones, and we were sitting. I think we were watching a show last time. All six of us were together, and dude, I, that that we got an emergency warning, and it it was the loudest six beeps you've ever heard. That and the that and we get an Amber Alert. We get an Amber. Mm-hmm. For we every, get those, yeah. I get them for everywhere in the country. I don't mind it, but I don't know. Yeah, and I don't I, know how I'm tied in either, but I get those. I'll get one from Florida or Georgia or wherever. Surrey. Yeah. I couldn't understand. Yeah. And I never get an update. I have to go Google to make sure the kids turned out all right. So, yeah. Uh, and and in all seriousness, we hope everyone stays safe here in the next twenty four to forty eight hours because absolutely. March and April, as we know all too well, man, when the temperatures elevate, and I don't have a meteorology degree from Mississippi State or anything like that, but I understand that when it gets too warm in Alabama and really the South in general in March and April, you know those cold fronts are still coming. And when those two meet up, um, typically some rough conditions. So we hope everybody stays safe. Me, but my mom, when I was a kid, she was, uh, she was tornado paranoid. We were in the, in the bathtub with a, a twin bed mattress on us. I'm not sure what she thought. Well, I guess she thought the twin bed mattress was going to keep falling stuff from hitting us. Right. Me and my brother were in there and he was, you know, we were kids. He was always farting, thinking it was hilarious. And I'm a little claustrophobic. I'm pretty sure this is how it started. So there's no shame in hiding from that storm. You don't have to be, go get your bread, you know, hunker down. That's what we'll do tonight. And it does like it's going to get bad, especially in West Alabama. So good luck to everybody. Absolutely. Take care and be alert. Weather alert going to be very important here in the next day or so. Um, we wanted to talk about some Alabama men's basketball. We're doing it in sort of a retrospective on this podcast because the Crimson Tide traveled out to San Diego where it fell in first round action to the Notre Dame fighting Irish, a six 11 matchup. And we talk about a stormy type situation. It could be that for Alabama in the off season, although very much, some security and knowing that you've got a top three recruiting class set to hit campus here in the coming months. So when you see an Alex Chaku, I guess, Tim, or an Keon Ambrose Hilton hit the transfer portal, you don't like to see that if you're Nate Oates or Brian Hodgson. These are guys you evaluated, brought in, hoped that would be a big part of your program. But I guess you're not all that surprised in this era of college basketball anyway. I mean, it's pretty much, especially basketball. You know, football there are there is more patience, but there's there's never really been patience in basketball. And you remember Duke was like the last national team to sort of hold on to the we don't want to sign one one and done guys. You know, you remember that? Then finally they're like, you know, screw it, let's go get Corey Maggette and all these guys because that's how what you had to do to compete. Now a lot of people have taken that to the next level where you have entire teams of one and duns. And, you know, Calipari, for instance, he's not having a lot of success with an entire team of, uh, you know, kids who are, you know, basically, I mean, if you're one and done, really a lot of what you're doing during the season is protect yourself for next season because that's your money season. So, you know, we've seen this in bowl games and football. You see that in basketball. There's a lot less likely to dive and get in there and get in the scuffles and and risk anything when it comes down to that. But yeah, this, this, this instant gratification for the player or for the school. Um, and you know, sometimes it's just not a good fit. Sometimes you just don't fit in, you know, the writings on the wall, mm-hmm. you get more playing time next year. You know, I know, I know, you know, coaches tend to be pretty direct and blunt. So no, not, a, not a huge surprise, but again, that class they've got coming in is fantastic. They've got some pieces 
in place still. I mean, this was not this. I mean, it's hard to talk about this Alabama team. I've literally been, I have not known what to say for six or eight weeks. I just yeah. don't know what to say. I mean, it's, you know, even talking to friends or anything, it's just hard to, they are what, you know, they are what they are. I mean, they were a team that could have made a run. It just seemed unlikely. They were a team. I mean, they had a three game stretch and I was talking to some people who weren't Alabama fans this week. And they were like, how'd Alabama get a six seed? And I was like, dude, they had, perhaps the best three game stretch of any team in the country by beating Miami, Houston and Gonzaga. Yeah. Especially in retrospect after what Miami did to Auburn 30, they beat Miami by 30. That's a really successful team. They beat Gonzaga on a neutral site and Houston was a, you know, really good game. But again, three really tough games in a row, three sweet 16 teams, uh, legitimate teams. So they had that run and then they kind of, you know, they kind of just struggled from there. They never were very didn't make it back from Christmas break. It yeah. didn't feel like they never totally made it back. And I think you made a point and more specifically about culture of programs and how it's been sacrificed in the era of the one and done and not just the one and done, but now with the mobility via the transfer. Right. I mean, it can be one and done's whether it's guys moving on to the NBA guys moving on from your program after a, a season. Um, and I even look at Duke because I watch Duke right now and I see sort of this celebration about Duke winning a second round game over Michigan state. And Tom Izzo's a hell of a coach does a great job always has. So you figured it would be a challenge, but you know, the sort of the fallout from that win was more along the lines of what I remember Duke uh, doing in elite eight games and, and that sort of, you know, it's, it's like the culture at places, even like Duke has taken a big hit. When I watch Duke teams today, I, I don't see teams that are as connected teams that are as willing to do what it takes to win. Um, you know, and I, I think that's, that's due in large part to the, the one and dones. Yeah. I think it's hard. I mean, you look at a lot of these teams and, you know, there's a discussion on the round table on BOL and everybody wants, they pick out a kid, you know, they, you know, like Miami. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course they're mature. They averaged the 23 years of age. I yeah. think Alabama was, Alabama was old last year. Yeah. Maybe that had something to do with it. You yes. think her being around petty being around even Reese, it still matters. Doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. You get a guy, you know, like the kid drew Timmy, uh, from, uh, yeah. Gonzaga, they're like, you know, yeah, yes, everybody would love to have him. There just aren't many of those guys. Those guys usually go to the pros or they're more talented. It's hard to find a Herb Jones or a Drew or those guys that are going to be three or four year players, give their best, work horses, and give you all that maturity. It's really hard to find because, you know, it's a thin line between going to the NBA and not being good enough when you Mm -hmm. really get down to it. I mean, so you got these guys. you know, you see him bounce around. You see how, you know, to go back to the transfer portal, you saw the big kid from Auburn go from North Carolina. Kessler, yeah. He goes from North Carolina and just, you know, not great stat line to Auburn where he's a monster. So when you find those fits and those moves, I think a lot of those kids are looking for that. I think a lot of the coaches are looking for it. I can't say I blame them. I mean, you know, basketball, basketball's always had, even back in the day, you know, it, Michael Jordan went as a junior. You know, Tim Duncan's the rare senior. But even back in the day, most of those guys didn't make it four years. Most of them made it three years, which is basically the equivalent of today's one and done. You know, these guys would be, would be, you know, Michael Jordan, Barkley, all those guys probably would have been out after their first year. 
uh, especially with the way the draft shapes up now with so many teams and, you know, the, 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 the G League and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's changed. So you're walking a thin line. You And not only that, you can get a guy like J.D. Davison. I understand there's a ton of discussion. Is he going pro? They can talk about it till the, till the, till the cows come home. Nobody knows what he's going to do because – we don't even know what his draft status is till he works out. It's the same thing we've seen with Josh Primo. I will say I hope J.D. handles it just like Josh did. I feel yeah. Josh handled it correctly, and I hope J.D. does and takes the feedback and does whatever feedback he gets and takes with it because I still think the guy's a, a very talented guy, but I do agree with everybody says he's got to learn how to play basketball. Um, I think him being you know maybe an off-guard to a, a Jalen Bradley – and um, I think that will help. You know, when, I know I'm being a little long-winded right here, but Travis, you know how we talked before about that 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 Alabama team that lost to Clemson about how they had no competition, right? That was a little bit of that with this Alabama basketball team. I don't feel there was a lot of competition. And I think I think Nate tried to manufacture it once yeah. they got into SEC play because you saw him go from an eight-man rotation to playing ten. So I think he was trying to put a charge into his guys from that perspective, but it wasn't legitimate competition. I mean, one of those guys at the time was Keon Ambrose Hilton that was getting extended minutes. And now he's in the transfer portal. So that kind of tells you. Right. I'm talking practice where you're a junior and you have a freshman come in and he wears your ass out on Tuesday and you get mad and come back Wednesday fighting hard. That's the competition I'm talking about. And next year, I do think if some of these guys will stay, you know, the, the ones that, that want to stay, the one the Bama staff wants to keep, I do think a lot of those – there's guys that will get better from that competition and make the freshmen better. There's no doubt how talented this freshman class is. And they're a little bit more – they're a little bit more – you know, there's a little bit more strut to this group than there was, you know, than there has been. You know, like even J.D., J.D. was a kind of quiet five-star, played at a small school. Everything was a big mm-hmm. dunk. Um, you know, most people talk about his hair, they recognize him, but he, there's not really a strut to him. When you see him on the basketball floor, sometimes he was, you know, I talked about this most of the year. He wasn't super aggressive. You knew at times he was going to be the better matchup, the better player. And he, he was, he was, still- he needs some, he needs some sexton swag a little bit yeah, to him. Needs- Colin had it from the get go. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Kyra, you know, people don't talk about, but Kyra had some, you know, some piss and vinegar in him. You know, he was a yeah. guy with, he was a competitive little skinny dude. Now, he would get in there, especially a year younger for his class, and fight. And I still think J.D. has the talent. Um, you know, certainly not not the year we expected out of him, I think, for most people. But I don't think it's totally shocking considering, you know, everything that went on. But uh, I, There's a part of me that appreciates that J.D., at least from what I saw, my interpretation, was that he was trying to be a good teammate, right? Even though he was – coming in as this top five, top 10 national recruit. And I think that leads to some deferring and you need this guy to be more of an alpha. Is that what we're speaking to maybe a little bit here? Yeah. I think that, you know, and I think part of it was you had Quinterly, you had Shaq, maybe they're going to get their shots, maybe, yeah. but maybe he even deferred to them a little bit. That's he did. It's like, you don't really have to defer to those guys. They're getting theirs. Like you just said, they're going to get their shot. You don't have to, you know, you know, they're going to, they're going to find their shot. You need to figure out a way to find yours because in games he did that. Um, he was really good. I mean, that's going to be the thing is like when, when you look at his highlights, he had great highlights and, but he just had drifts of games where we didn't see him play, you know, as well as you probably expected. 
But so I mean, do you do you anticipate how do you anticipate navigation of the draft process being similar, being different for say a guy like Jaden Shackelford and JD Davis? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to come down to it. I mean, I w- I'd be surprised if Shackelford comes back. I could be wrong. I think he strikes me as a guy that's just ready to go and see his career about, hey, the guy that can shoot like that, he can play somewhere and make professional. They're both probably G League guys right now. Would you go that far, or would you say you know, Shackelford I, I, might? I go think Shackelford, yeah. I don't, you know, with Shackelford, he might have find a career in Italy or somewhere right. similar to. Uh, Trajan Langdon, he might hate Langdon. He might from Duke. He might find a career making, you know, close to seven figures, and you know, you know, I've talked about lifestyle. Yeah, dude, the lifestyle is there. I mean, they're making, you know, five. He's got a Euro game. There's no doubt about that. And I think he might. I mean, dude, there is nothing wrong with making five hundred thousand dollars a year living in Italy, where yeah. you're treated as a hero. You have a Ferrari or whatever because it's it's their version of a Mazda. Eating all the little Caesars pizza you want. Absolutely. Right. Because they they're on every corner in Rome. Little Caesars, right? I thought I saw Langdon talking about <laughs> he got a villa. A villa. This dude got a villa and a car. Yeah. A, a, yeah. An exotic sports car. And he walked around, you know, treated like a hero. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I think Shackford can play pro for sure. I don't know where he fits into the NBA. Um, certainly there there could be a role for him as a shooter. Um mm-hmm. And I think ball, you know, people talk about ball handlers more and more. We talk about that all the time. I was discussing the Purdue kid, the Ivy kid. I don't, I don't, there's not really lead guards in the NBA anymore. There's Chris Paul, there's a few of them. But now, you know, with the 24 second clock, any big, I mean, if Jason Tatum, LeBron, you know, D Wade, I mean, not D Wade, but Dwayne Mitchell, if they get a rebound, they bring it up the floor. They don't look for their point guard, you know? So uh, he doesn't necessarily have to have point guard skills to play. Um, I know shooters shooters are, are just like baseball, like hitters. If you can shoot and you can hit, you can play somewhere. Maybe a guy like uh, Quinn Cook, not to draw too many Duke analogies here, maybe that's Jaden Shackelford potentially. Um, Quinn Cook at Duke, I never would have imagined the NBA career for him um, that he's had, but or he's had or had, but. Uh, it kind of played out that way. So let's talk SEC performance in the NCAA tournament overall. And wow, what a bloody weekend. Uh, first and second rounds for the SEC. Just Arkansas left. I guess whatever you think of Eric Musselman, I'll say this about that guy. He was ahead of the transfer curb because he was already doing this stuff at previous stops. He was building rosters and teams based off transfers before it became a real thing. And here he is for a second straight year. Got the Hogs moving into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it hasn't been pretty. You know, and the thing about it is when you watch these games, is like Kentucky was outplayed. It wasn't yeah, fluke. it didn't it feel flukish, did it? It wasn't some fluke where St. Peter's had some kid, you know, turn in a never nervous purpose type effort, you know, and just dominate the game. They just, they just were outplayed. Alabama was beat. Tennessee was beat. They were just outplayed in games that they probably had a chance to win. Um, definitely not a good show. And I mean, the Calipari heat, I don't know if they, I don't know if you can have heat on the My battle. man did his, my man did his radio show and said it was going to be recorded. No calls. You could tweet, in. <laughs> you could tweet in questions, Tim, but that, Cal wasn't taking no callers that, on that, that radio show. Wrap up. That's equivalent to turning off your comments on social media. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Are only only people you only, follow can respond. <laughs> only people who support you follow you. Yeah. Feedback's been great on Twitter. I don't know. I the, I think everybody's handled it better than I would have expected. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, well, the thing with basketball. I mean, it's hard to win now. It's hard to win a title. Yeah. You saw Baylor, um, you know, lose to North Carolina. Dude, I don't know if you watched that game. I mean, I hate to beat that drum, but, man, the officiating is so yeah. bad. Yeah, it is. In this now, look at Alabama-Notre Dame. The call on Jawan Gary there oh, on the – Gosh, are you – how? On the turnover. The, he, he forced – that wasn't a loose ball. He had forced the turnover. I mean, it was pretty much post-possession, in my opinion. He gets held with both hands by the Notre Dame player and gets called for the foul right in the middle of the floor. You know, it, there's, not, there's not the same excuse. Like in football, you got 22 guys basically in a scrum, mm-hmm. button fighting, punching each other, trying to run by each other. There's so much to see in football. I get when they miss a hold. I get when they miss a pass interference. I get it. There's so much happening. But in basketball, they're standing out there. What one? You're staring at it from eight feet away, Mm -hmm. from 12 feet away. How do you miss that? I mean, Baylor was down 25. They throw out their big, big old, big old uh, mountain man who was just. Yeah, Bill Walton Jr. Oh, my gosh. He was having a game of his life. Uh, Beautiful kid, transferred from Oklahoma, just dominating that game. They throw him out. And not only they throw him out for an elbow, flagrant two. And then they turn around and they go at it and let them just hack a shit. I mean, they are just they They reminded me of Nolan Richardson's Arkansas 40 minutes. <laughs> they were on them left and right. They were they were hands on them. Very aggressive. Not that Baylor's a really good team, but they had this kid that kind of looked like Kyle Kuzma Jr. He had his hair blonde. Yeah. Every time they boxed him out on a free throw, this dude was basically grabbing them and falling back and pulling them on him trying to get a foul. And the officials yeah. let it go the whole game. They let it go the whole game. So, yeah, but, yeah, the tournament's been great. I mean, you got a bunch of high seeds up there. Um, you know, you got a bunch of the, the, the seeds you expected to see, uh, you know, the one through fours. But you got some of those double-digit seeds. I think there's four or five. Well, out West has got the potential to be a lot of fun with Gonzaga, Arkansas, and Texas Tech Duke because that went to chalk. That went one through four through the first two rounds. So San Francisco might be the place to be in the next uh, Thursday and Friday sessions. I know the the South is also uh, looking pretty good in its own right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the SEC, Tim, too, six coaching openings already filled between Georgia, Missouri, Mississippi State, Florida, LSU, South Carolina, those gigs before the tournament even gets to the second round. Those jobs have already been – uh, filled and mostly, I would say, with guys that kind of like uh, Nate Oates coming from Buffalo, going from Buffalo to Alabama. I mean, you look at Missouri with Dennis Gates going from Cleveland State to Mizzou, Chris Jans going from New Mexico State to Mississippi State, Todd Golden going from San Francisco to Florida, Matt McMahon from Murray State to LSU, Lamont Paris from Chattanooga to South Carolina. I guess uh, for the most part, you look at these and you go, well, well We'll wait and see in terms of how they work out. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot has happened. I mean, the coaches, how quick this stuff happens, you know. I mean, Mike White from Florida to Georgia. I mean, does that doesn't even cause a 
an eyebrow, eyebrow to raise anymore, it doesn't seem like, Tim. No, and you know what I mean? It was like, I don't know if Mike, you know, there was a lot of talk that he was getting fired. Right. But there was also, I saw he had like a seven-year guaranteed contract, just got a contract extension or something. Um, but yeah, you go from Georgia to Florida, that's that's a big deal, right? In any sport, women's sports, uh, you know, baseball and swimming, anything like that seems like it's a big deal to go from, you know, from Alabama to Auburn to Georgia to Florida. That seems like a big deal. But you're right. Nobody even batted an eye at it. Georgia fans were upset he was coming and Florida fans were glad he was gone. <laughs> I mean, it, was a, it was a weird, it was the weirdest thing. You know, that's a tough job. I mean, Billy Donovan. Yeah. It's such a great job there. Right. They're trying to get back. And that was a, you know, Billy Donovan had that saving energy when it came to recruiting. Like he was that, that dude on the verge of stalking him. David Lee said he wrote him like, you know, a thousand handwritten letters um, you know, that, that kind of stuff. He just went out, found these guys for his program, did a great job in Florida and tried to, you know, get to that, back to that level of success, which is hard. Um, George, I've never understood. I mean, I've never understood this. I've discussed, me and Rusty Menzel were discussing it two weeks ago. The state of Georgia has so much talent, but those kids have never, you know, 20, you know, you know, for five years, I was a national basketball guy, you know, 20 years ago. And guys like Dwight Howard, Josh Smith, they never even really looked at them. They get a few guys here and there. They got Anthony Edwards, which they sort of fell into. They got, uh, you know, a few of those guys. But for the most part, those kids just won't go to Georgia. So very tough job. But, yeah, a lot of movement. I mean, Frank Mark was coaching. I looked up. He was on the in the booth. Rex Chapman was in there. I was having all <laughs> – I was looking at the – I was looking at the the crew, and I thought only Candace Parker out there ever really knew what she's doing. And, uh, <laughs> Rex yeah. Chapman killed Pete Gillen, the former Xavier I mean, coach. Did you see Rex that? Chapman do and rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's such a weird vision. Oh wow! Frank, who's bald? Frank Martin, who's bald? You got Rex Chapman, who's bald, and they are complete. They're on the bookends on this set, and yeah. um, it's just the weirdest visual. Also, I don't think Rex is super good at that either. You know, these, these sets, man, these analyst sets in sports on television are just getting out of control. I mean, Fox College Football, they got to have seven or eight guys up there now on Saturdays. It's the numbers that they're throwing at us. It's like Times Square the first time you see it. It's sensory overload. I don't know who to focus on, Tim. They got so many people on these on these uh yeah well this one they, analyst they, had, they had five they had candace parker yeah rex frank they had seth seth guy the, the reporter and then they had another guy in the middle yeah. and kind of looks like a skinny russell and Will. they sub they sub them in and out like it's a basketball game you know i mean one one day you see this group at night you see this group do you like barkley and kenny I- Look, and those I, guys I, on the on the tournament coverage. I, Barkley, everybody's criticizing because Barkley hasn't watched college basketball all year. I just want Barkley's comments yeah. that game. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm okay yeah. just comment on the game. It's, almost, it's like Snoop Dogg on anything. I don't care yeah, if Snoop don't, knows anything about anything. I just want to hear I, him talk I, about I, it. I got other guys to tell me how they played all year. I want Barkley to be pretty blunt, pretty straightforward, and say what he thinks. I, I just I like Barkley in general though, so it's hard for him to to irritate me. And he's not do- dropping anything that we're, that we're not seeing. Right. But he is saying, you know, Auburn, I mean, he said Auburn's in trouble. Auburn is shooting the ball from 40 feet. Auburn's wild taking all these shots. So I like that. He's calling the game. I saw a lot of criticism. Uh, and, and friends of mine were tweeting me, I mean, texting me about it, but I saw it on Twitter. They were criticizing because he didn't know 
he had been watching college basketball all year. You ain't got to watch college basketball to comment on a college basketball game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, most people can look, especially a guy that played at that level. I mean, played on the Olympic team, played NBA, played Auburn three years, All-American. He can probably look at a game and tell me what's going on. I don't have a huge problem in it. But then again, uh, I, I, I'm so much on mute. I'm telling you, there's nothing more. I'm telling you people, you listen to me. There's nothing more gratifying than putting the mute button with these people on. Don't come on there griping about what, you know, Doris Burke said. When you can mute her, or Gary said in the Alabama game, you can mute him. You can mute anybody you want. And yeah. you're not missing anything. Yeah. You can always go back. Just make sure you don't mute us, right? Just keep no, us no, no. audible. Just talking yeah. about because the, the announcers, I feel bad for him. You know, Gary, you know, he's been doing, Gary Danielson's been doing the Alabama games. When Alabama's up 41 to 6 at halftime and the other team mounts a drive, he's got to say that's an important right. drive. Yeah. He's got to feel three. You got to sell it. Yeah, you're trying to sell a broadcast. I mean, if he and, just uh, sat there and said, you know, this game is over, I don't know why you people are still watching, CBS probably be pretty pissed off. Yeah, just a little bit. Yes. Hey, uh, spring football, speaking of Gary, spring football underway resumes at Alabama. Yesterday on Monday, as the Crimson Tide returns from spring break, did you, by the way, do anything specific for spring break for Team Watts, or was it just? Ours is next week. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. We went the, uh, you know, we got two in college. They've been virtual all year. The youngest two are going virtual the last semester so they can finish a couple weeks early because we're going to Hawaii. Nice. So um, their spring break, dude, I'm telling you, that's, that, that's, I know the kids socially i know they enjoy it but man when it comes to like maximizing their day i'm telling you, there's like three hours needed to actually study you know and to do school yeah. the rest is going to lunch and either sh- slapping somebody's books out of their hand as they walk down the hall <laughs> or trying to get your books avoided avoiding right protecting exactly playing defense but spring football underway at Alabama, early enrollees. We're hearing uh, some things about from Bryce Young, Will Anderson addressing the media on Monday. Nick Saban will speak after Wednesday's practice. And I guess it's safe to say, Tim, that these transfers that we've talked a good bit about have blended in with the returning roster and uh, both present, I guess you could say, with Amir Gibbs, Elias Ricks, Jermaine Burton, and perhaps an incoming uh, area that could be impacted by Tyler Steen, the Vanderbilt transfer, who, uh, according to our reporting, uh, looks like he's expected on campus this weekend. And Tyler Steen uh, expected to take a look at Kentucky during the midweek before making his way to Tuscaloosa. You have any early thoughts after just a couple of practices in shorts and helmets, Tim, for this team? No, not really. I think they're just getting in their stages. I think we'll see a little bit as the game approaches. We're going to see a little bit more. I think you're kind of just looking. I mean, you know me. I'm a recruiting guy, so I'm focused on the the 13 guys that enrolled early. That's the ones I'll be watching for the most. You know, I go. I kind of every year. That's I, that's you know that's one of my favorite things about the early signing periods. You get to see these guys in spring. You get to hear about these guys in the spring. Um, I really wish, you know, Isaiah Bond, he couldn't have. But I really would love to hear what Isaiah Bond could do during the spring just because I'm super anxious to see and hear how his speed translates at the college level. Because if you're following him on Twitter, and, of course, he's running track, so he was never a chance to early enroll league. That dude is blazing. I mean, I knew he was, I knew he was amazingly fast. But when you see him on the track, 
you know, running track. They, you know, Buford's got one of the best four by was a four four by one hundred teams. And dude, they've got two other guys that are sub eleven. But when Bonds gets the the the, the uh, stick baton, he's it's amazing how fast he looks, even on a field full of track, you know, Georgia track stars. So um, no, for me, I'm just waiting to see how the freshmen do. I want to, you know. I want to see how the quarterbacks do. I'm really excited to hear about that battle for second. Um, and then, of course, I've heard nothing but good things about Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs coming in at the running back position. Jermaine Burton offering not only documented production in his previous stop at Georgia, but that's still a young group, Tim, and it's nice to have sort of a technician like Burton now at the top of your rotation that these developmental guys and still developing uh, candidates at wide receiver, they get to watch this guy work every day, just like they did with John Mechie, right? And just like they did with Jamison Williams, uh, boy, it's, it's gotta be good for Holman Wiggins to have that sort of guy uh, working at the top of the rotation and, you know, I, I think there's some early enrollees that you mentioned that I'm continuing to be intrigued by. And we get little clips and snippets of video from practice from UA. And you see Tyler Booker working at some right tackle. You see him potentially as a guard. This is a guy that we talked about. Um, depending on what Alabama needs, Tim, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if many people will be surprised if he's at least a top seven guy in 2022 and 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 that's not to overlook some of the second year guys which we have a habit of doing uh because i think at the offensive line positions and the interior spots with ferguson and roberts developing there and uh even back out at wide receiver jojo earl you know is a guy that's easy to overlook because the second half of his freshman season certainly didn't go according to plan there's a mix there right of newcomers and Guys going into their second year that you got to balance out. Yeah, I mean Booker was a guy we liked last year. You know, you get those offensive linemen. Um, no, we, I mean we, of course, we liked him, but we talked about a little bit in the spring to see where he projected because you get those linemen with position um, flexibility. That's huge. I mean, it's huge, it's huge in the NFL, it's huge in college, and in high school. Usually, those guys, you know, you you, you never really see a center. It's not very often that you see an NFL center playing high school center you know they're usually the you know usually that's the best offensive lineman on their team you see them at tackle um so if you get a chance to see them at multiple positions you know barrett jones is one you get to see it in college so booker definitely fits that mold i mean he's got size to play the tackle position me i always look at those guys kind of as a road grader um Mm -hmm. i just know it's easier to transition inside than to get that edge speed i saw nick saban really talking up damian george as well so yeah um, they're going to have some options. I think a lot of people realize that 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 you know, besides the the lack of depth at the wide receiver position, that the offensive line was a work in progress. So I really feel like they have a chance. They understand how important the offensive line is this year. It's also that time of year, as we've talked about in the past, where some quarterback dominoes begin to fall on the recruiting trail. We saw it here in the last day or so with Nico. I am a Leah committing to Tennessee, the five-star quarterback that Alabama has been involved with. And in the aftermath of that, Hank South of our staff, with a nice overview of the quarterback situation for Alabama looking at the 2023 cycle. What are your thoughts on that following Nico's 
commitment to the Vols and obviously Arch Manning very much in the forefront for a handful of schools, including Alabama, at the position. What were your thoughts upon getting that news? Yeah, I think it's been trending that way for a while. You've seen the buzz coming from Tennessee, all the NIL talk around it. I mean, you knew if that was true, it was going to be hard for any kid to turn down. You can't blame him. I still haven't figured out what the NIL – I mean, the NIL sort of tricked me. I thought the NIL was strictly for people to, like, sell T-shirts, get advertised and all that stuff. I had no idea it was and, – and, and I'm not pointing my finger at Tennessee in any way because I'm talking about everybody. I had no idea it was the carrot <clears throat> to get a kid to school. I yeah. Had, yeah, that <clears> – and, I mean, of course, I figured that out last year with some of the stuff going on at other schools. And I mean, again, that's going to happen at every school. I'm not accusing any school. If you're following the rules, you're following the rules. But I had no idea that it was going to be not only that, that's signing, that's basically signing a four year contract with incentives. You can make up to X amount of dollars. If you start, if Mm -hmm. you do this, I mean, you shouldn't, (laughs) you can't have a, there's no advertising deal where, you know, Michael Jordan is getting an extra bonus if the you know the national championship team's wearing Jordan tennis shoes, it's just weird to me. It's totally not what I thought. I thought this was about image, likeness, T-shirts. You know, I thought it'd be local ads. I thought you'd have. Yeah, a, you didn't think it would be institutional based. No, I mean that's how is that essentially, not, which is what it is. That, how is that not illegal? If you have a group of guys, boosters putting together money to get kids, and surely they'll shut. Well, because down. the NCAA was once again a thousand miles behind the the trend or where this was always had, headed. They, they didn't get to make the call on this. This was made for them. And as a result of that, they did not have the infrastructure in place or the plan in place to sort of regulate and deal with it. And so now the NCAA is, you know, just uh, traveling at about seven miles per hour. And this thing is going at about 70 Right. Yeah. I mean, that's I what it feels like. A kid that can get deals like that, you know, go for it. Especially, I mean, you I got high school you know, kids getting deals. That's right? that's yeah, that's life. All Underclassmen time. in high school I mean, I getting deals. See Trevor, I can see a quarterback getting, you know, you know, national exposure, national commercial. You know, I'm, I'll be honest, I can't, I can't understand why a car dealership in Idaho gives a crap about Bryce Young. I don't see how that's going to help that car dealership sell cars. I would think Bryce Young is a local based, local, you know, Alabama. And that, and I, and I agree with that. And that's why I'm not exactly losing my mind over a lot of this at this point because there are particular instances, and I do agree in terms of it being essentially tied to an institution. That is a little bit of a of a surprise in relation to what I was anticipating this all being about. But we've talked about it before, right? You haven't really seen Coke or Ford or Chevrolet on a national level or even global level go all in with these kids to this point, have we? See, that that would be more legal than a group of boosters getting together, chipping right. and getting passing around the brass platoon, basically. And I tell you what, college coaches can high five and be excited that they found this loophole. But let me tell you something, college coaches. More money, more problems. When those boosters who don't like you when you're seven and six to begin with, for and they're buying season tickets and building <laughs> building dorms and crap on campus, when they're paying excessive money for oh, a you going. lose, 
They yeah. are busting your ass. Well, what it tells you is if they've got that kind of money to throw at a, a quarterback or a prospect, they got certainly plenty enough to buy your ass out. Absolutely. Right? And you know what? That's a different level of investment because now you're not you're not you're not investing on keeping Peyton Manning on campus for his senior year. That's yeah, a, it's like pro football. They don't fire the players. Who do they fire? Yeah, they fire the coaches. So, um, hey, I want the kids to get paid, but I still, at the end of the day, I still worry that, that it's too much too soon. You should not, and I mean at any level, not sports, Instagram, gaming, you should not be a millionaire at 17 years old. No. Nothing good is coming from that. I'm just hoping, you know, hope, at least hope that there's money management people. I mean, can you imagine being worth any kind of millions at 17 or 18? No. I mean, I'm no. literally a dumbass who buys the Ferrari and wrecks it coming out of the parking lot. Yeah. Maybe I'm alive. Maybe, maybe I'm not. I'm literally. I'd be, I'd be like Lloyd Christmas with the cash. You know? Ser- yeah, seriously. So, yeah, but I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah, those dominoes I think are going to fall. Alabama certainly got more involved with. Eli Holstein, the, the Louisiana kid who's committed to the Aggies, he's taking some visits. Alabama's still involved with Arch Manning. Um, they're going to have options out there. I mean, you're going to see these guys start to fall. Uh, you know, you got two big ones down. You had Malachi Nelson. He was, you know, he'd already committed Oklahoma and then went to USC with Lincoln Riley. Now you've got Nico down. So you've got, you know, two of the <clears throat> two of the top guys down. You got the kid from Texas. Um Arnold, he's committed to Oklahoma. So you got three of the top ten guys down, and so Alabama's going to be out there. You know the you know you know what lessens the need for signing a big time quarterback is the is again the transfer portal. Yeah, guys aren't necessarily transferring just because you know like Tyler Tyler Steen, he was a three year starter. He's not transferring just for playing time. So when it changed from Jalen Hurts type role, you know, and, you know Tennessee did this a few years in a row. Remember. When Tennessee would sign two really good quarterbacks in each class, mm-hmm. they moved them on. Peyton beat out Brandon Stewart. Brandon Stewart, and then they had the year. He sure feels like maybe he's sure somebody else. The winner got the job. The other one transferred to other school and got the job. So completely different situation. Now you got guys starting who just want to get you know more exposure. They want to get playing the national championship team, and you know you know all that kind of stuff. Better coaching in their mind. So. Um, Certainly, Arch Manning is going to be the one to watch. Bama's involved there. Georgia, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I sort of just—I'm curious to watch the circus that follows him. You know, there's, yeah. there's going to be a lot of jealousy. You know, that's another thing when you talk about the NIL. Why do you think these coaches are denying these deals? Yeah, it's more of a headache for them with their roster management. Yeah, how are you going to give this kid eight million dollars and offer me fifty thousand dollars in Reebok tennis shoes? And if you're doing that. When the kid doesn't like his deal, he's not going to go to who he has his deal with. If you help sell him on that as a part of his recruitment, he's coming to you as the head coach. I wonder what happens if another school recruits him with a better deal after his freshman year. Oh, yeah. I mean, we got a, there's a lot of, there's a lot oh, of, there's, there's yeah, a lot of, and I know I see a lot of people, especially the older guys, saying, you know, it's ruined sports. It hasn't ruined sports. Sports have always, you know, sports are always ruined. You know, the universal DH is ruined and the three-point line is ruined. And, you know, there's 
everything's ruining sports, you know, but it's really not. As we it, said earlier, Major League Baseball can't even kill itself as no, hard as it tries. They've tried their best. They jump off 86-story buildings <laughs> every year. And then hit land them. on a trampoline. Yeah. They, yes, bounce. Yeah, that's exactly right. Do a double flip and land with a non, you know, Heisman pose. You know, they kill it. Oh, we talk about quarterback movement, Tim. What about the NFL, man? Here in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I don't think in my lifetime maybe it's happened in a cycle like this, but I don't recall it. I mean, Deshaun Watson to Cleveland, Mitch Trubisky to the Steelers, Matt Ryan to the Colts, Russell Wilson to the Broncos. Marcus Mariota now to Atlanta, and it looks like Jameis, Jameis sticking with the Saints, with your Saints, Tim. It looks like Jameis is going to be there for a couple of years, maybe. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go pick him up. <laughs> to friggin' Town, aren't I? I yeah. mean, not a lot of options. I mean, you see this quarterback. No. You can blame uh, Matt, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford went in and did what I've, what I've thought for years is if you're a Super Bowl, have a Super Bowl roster, why don't you get your Super Bowl quarterback? And Stafford was definitely that guy that could get them there. You know, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. I don't care who you are. But now you've got everybody going all in. Everybody's going to be – Sean Watson got like $80 million more guaranteed than anybody else. And he's probably – there's a chance he's going to be suspended this year. Oh, yeah. I fell. I mean, well, that's why his structure is the way it is for the first year of that deal. Yeah, you know how the National Football League is now. If you embarrass them, they <laughs> you can do what you can do whatever you want. But if you embarrass them, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna bust you. Um, you had the crazy deal with Baker Mayfield. You know, I've never liked Baker Mayfield. I'll be honest, I don't like him. I've never met him, but I know. I would, would you rather have Jameis or Baker in New Orleans? I mean, shit. My <laughs> <laughs> friend asked a man that question. <laughs> or Garoppolo. You can have one of those three with your Saints. I did, I did with Baker. Baker's annoyed, always annoyed me. I mean, who, Baker's maxed out. Who grabs their package to Kansas? Who talks <laughs> trash? Not Bill Self's Kansas Jayhawks, but the friggin' football team. Yeah. This guy got ran down. From Charlie behind. Weiss had it coming. This guy got ran down from behind by a police officer wearing full tactical gear. <laughs> Write it down and tackle it. You so, know? Jameis or Baker or Garoppolo with the Saints, which which would you I'm take? Jimmy G, easy. I mean, Jameis. I like Jimmy G. Yeah. Part of me, Jimmy G is a, is is at least we know he's a leader. We know he's mature. I don't feel that Baker and Jameson are are particularly mature even now. I mean, you think mm-hmm. their lesson? I mean, Baker, Garoppolo is a pro at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what Drew Brees was, and that team. Is used to that. I mean, you've seen Jameis Winston. He is, and look, I knew Jameis when he was a kid. He played baseball uh, at a place called Bases Loaded, right out Alabaster and Montevallo. And he used to hang out with my son Kay. They would work. He would watch him hit. Very nice guy. He was great with the kids. Kay was fat boy for that team a few times. Great with the kids, but just a really different bird maturity wise when it came to the to it came to being the adults. He's still that way. You saw him like do the bite his fingers to get to the W that time. He does the most insane <laughs> stuff. Even his warm-ups, he's just he's in you remember when the, one of the best moments in sports history to me, and my wife, Heather was she lost her mind. But you remember when you remember when Jameis was suspended and rolled out in full prom gear? Like yeah. 
Yeah, like Lloyd in Dumb and Dumb. Remember when he came out yeah. and Jim looked at him and was like, what, are you, <laughs> what the F are you doing? He wrote oh. that face was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Um, so that so that was great. But, yeah, I mean, the quarterbacks, I mean, it's – I just – you know, with the Saints, you know, the Saints are another team. The Colts are a team. Uh, Denver must feel like they're a team that, that you know, felt – I think the Colts low-key, maybe not even low-key, I, I like that. Deal. They were oh, able to work they, with Matt Ryan, man, in every way, cap, everything. That's they they uh, own that deal. Yeah. That's just three years of they've had three quarterbacks in three years, four. They upgraded, certainly, well, they over Carson Wentz. Year. Then they had yeah. Carson Wentz for a year, and then they had, uh, they so they had four quarterbacks in four years. They're just trying to find this is a really good team, you know, good offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamar Taylor's a great running back. He, he really moves the chains. They've got a good, solid. Uh, defense. Very Maybe good. they can reunite Julio with Matt. You know, there, there'll be, yeah, there'll be some talent. You know, there'll be some talent out there. I mean, you know, obviously the Browns are all in, but the quarterback movement is just wild. I mean, team, you know, I don't know. You know, Baker was like in January. That's why I don't like the guy. He's like talking trash to some lady on on Twitter. I found the tweet. He was like, she she wrote a story saying that Baker's going to have to learn how to get along with his coach, or, or they were going to separate. Baker comes on and says, this is clickbait. You don't know anybody in my circle can ask for a trade. And then here his ass is asking for a trade, not working out. They're getting another quarterback. Wasn't clickbait. Jackass, it was the truth. She, she, it was the truth. He wasn't very popular there. I guess Baker and his wife have to move out of the stadium now too, right? Oh, that's awkward. I don't know how long their lease was, but I mean, that's a good thing. The commercial, they always lived in the stadium there. Commercials, the Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I guess that deal's coming to a close for Baker. Yes. Since so, he won't be living in the the, end, the dog pound anymore. Where does he end up? Does he end up – who needs a quarterback? Seattle needs a quarterback. Seattle needs a quarterback. Um, you would think Atlanta needs a quarterback. I don't know if – Atlanta, but they signed Mariota to a two-year deal. I don't know if that – You think Seattle – Seattle definitely is up there. Does I mean – is 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 it is San Francisco really ready for Trey Lance to take that thing over? It doesn't feel like it, does it? I tell you what this feels like, and I bet Flat Bill out there is really Shanahan, and I call him Flat Bill. Charles Power loves his Flat Bill. I just referred to him as Flat Bill ever since. But I think he's kicking himself because I feel, and I've talked to NFL guys that felt really confident they traded up to get Mac Jones, and after trading to the two spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three spot. They, they caught he he got talked out of it, and he yeah. not taking Mac, who would be a really good fit. Not dynamic enough. Yes, really good fit. That's that you know that study long, study wrong. I had a friend that always said that when we gambled. Study long, study wrong. I think <laughs> that they had too much time to make that decision, and because they did, I think Shanahan knew who he wanted. Um, I've talked to enough people to believe that's true. They can deny it all they want to. But you don't trade all you traded up to get your Wildcat quarterback. You know what I no, mean? No, no. The guy didn't get it. And he's talented, but there's a big learning curve coming. He's talented. He's got a big arm. He can run. But even the packages they put in, when he was successful, look, you can come in with a with a funny delivery in Major League Baseball and survive for half the season. Eventually, they're going to pick up on that delivery. You can put in plans for a quarterback like Trey and uh, and trick some teams for a game or a half of a game or whatever, but it's not sustainable. At the end of the day, you're still going to run NFL plays to beat NFL teams. So um, to me, he looked like definitely the furthest of the five quarterbacks 
Although the Wilson kid really, he's got a ways to go. That guy's like, that guy's like the, the horse version of a football player. You know, he makes passes that you can't make. And he goes, H, you know, yeah, he looked like, uh, yeah, that, he that looked guy. like a, a a dog playing in six lanes of traffic too much. Dude, he's got that last season. He does some stuff that's amazing. He did. He does some stuff that's yeah. He gets hit by the car every once in a while. It's been one of the craziest off seasons. So Mel Kiper, by the way, uh, today Tuesday with his latest first round mock, his post combine first round mock, he has Evan Neal going number five to the Giants. He has Jamison Williams going number 21 to the Patriots. The guy I kind of keep an eye on, non-Bama related in all this, is um, is Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge defender yeah. from Oregon, who just seems to be falling in some mocks. And I do have some ties to the AFC South. And from the combine, what I learned was that Thibodeau met with some teams, certainly in the top five, but at least one of those came out of its scheduled formal meeting with Kayvon Thibodeau with a response of, there's no way we're taking that guy at our spot, and they pick in the top five. So no, uh, he, the more Kayvon talks, the more it seems to hurt his status. He reminds, in the uh, he reminds me of a guy trying to be mature. Yeah. You know, LeBron used to do this. Whenever you like – you know, me and you're talking normal, and you say, Tim, what do you think about the Russian situation? And when I change my voice, well, Travis, you know, it's a Travis. <laughs> I think that I know stuff because I'm sounding. That's what yeah. that I did. Well, uh, football means, I mean, he sat up there and got. But cold. then he talks about Phil Knight the whole time, you know. And- yes, he sat up there and said the dumbest stuff, loosest lips. Guy that's missed, you know, you know, and you can get that. You kind of can get that in sort of a a television show setting. But when he's still talking like that in formal meetings behind closed doors with GMs and owners and head coaches, somebody's got to get to this guy, Tim. He's working. No, there's no way that, you know, some of these people, when you grow up superstars, you know, the two examples I like to use are Paris Hilton and LeBron James. When you grow up like that, when you're 16 and famous and, you know, borderline rich or whatever, you didn't really grow up like me. You're not used to, you know, you're not, they didn't, they're not like the rest of us. They don't understand why they're, why their Uber drivers late or their food's cold. They don't, they don't understand it. We get it. Uh, So I think that's the case with this guy. I mean, he was a big deal when he was a self-awareness. You know, the biggest knock on him in high school was that he's all about himself. He's selfish. Everything's a show. And I said this about several LSU guys, if you remember. Leonard Fournette was a main one. I said, he doesn't want to be a superstar. He wants to be a celebrity. When it comes to sports, that's a huge difference. Big, big difference. The superstar, the superstar, the Derrick Henry, he's doing his work. The, you know, the, I mean, the, the, the super, the, 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 the all-star type football player, the the freak you know the the pro bowler he's doing his work in the in the, in the in the weight room and on the field and then the superstar you see him on TMZ and they're dating an Instagram model and they're you know remember Leonard Fournette was in slap fights his junior year you remember that I think we discussed this was, oh yeah this dude was why the hell are you slap fighting somebody yeah you're a big first of all he can knock you out and second of all you could knock his head off social so, media is not making it any better that way. Odell's that way where they like 
And there's nothing wrong with it. Hey, enjoy it. I'm all for it. Enjoy it. But there's a difference. I think this guy's more looking to be a celebrity than a superstar. And when you've got guys like the Michigan kid, you know how he probably interviewed. I'll tell you the one I was most disappointed about was Ojabo for Michigan. Yeah. Where Achilles is, injury you know, at his pro day. Dude, yeah. Everybody I knew that, that had spoken to this kid loved this kid. And he's that upside guy. Um, plays hard work, you know, blue collar guy. He's got all that going. So I think in that defensive end position, you know, dude, let's be honest. Some team will draft him. Some I'm team sure will they will. Him. I mean, Achilles isn't. No, I was talking about. The, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was talking about Thibodeau. Somebody's oh, going to draft him. Oh, there's, somebody's going to take him top 10. Yeah. 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 I would. I personally would. And I think there's plenty of players, especially offensive linemen, you could take. Where did, With that draft, where did it have the Saints? Who are they drafting? Uh, Mel with the Saints. I got to scroll down here. Still, I think in the coming years, years, I'll, I'll be able to I'll see him at the more yeah, at the two top. More year, two more years, you don't have to scroll. Mel has the Saints taking Kenny Pickett from oh, Pitt. Wow. Yeah, as your next quarterback there at eighteen. Mac Corral more than that guy. Maybe I'm in the minority, but um, I like Matt Corral more than him. I like I just like Matt Corral. I thought he was gritty, gutty. Yeah ran the ball. He didn't have to run like he did. I mean, there's not many guys you could basically run the option with like Lane did with that kid, um, you know, playing until he got injured. I still think he's a good one. I, I like that Malik Willis kid from an upside. I still think if you're drafting, you know, towards the bottom half of that NFL draft, it's okay to take upside. Most teams get in trouble when they take the, the big high-risk, high-reward guys at number three. So I think when you get on Mel, down, Mel has my Jags taking Aiden Hutchinson. The defensive yeah. end from Michigan there at the top spot. So, well, if he does, our own pair him up with Josh I, Allen on the other side, I guess. Power is going to win a nice little, uh, a hefty bet. I think he thought Hutchinson was going number one uh, since before the college football playoffs. Mm. That's a that's a pretty good forecast from old uh, Chuck Power if it plays out that way uh, for something completely different. Although it deals with top fives. We talked top five in the NFL draft. We talked top five picks. Now we're going to talk to him. Top five flicks from Mar- Marty Scorsese, the iconic director. Uh, so what do you have? I know you're a big fan. Like I am of Martin Scorsese. If you go five to one, Tim, what do you have for his uh, top five pictures of all time? When I look at his complete body of work, it's kind of amazing because you've got all the, all the, you know, you've got the good fellas, you've got the, uh, the gangs of New York. You got all those New York uh, King of comedy, raging bull, all those New York taxi drivers, all those mean streets that we're used to with that. But when you get around and you're looking where he did the age of innocence with Michelle Pfeiffer, which is a great movie. Um, Totally different beat. You know, the movie I probably love the most out of every movie he did, the one I've probably seen the most, is probably, I won't say it's his best, but I love The Color of Money. Great movie. I love yeah. The Color of Money. Great movie. Tom Cruise, to me, was his best. The Girlfriend was fantastic. Paul Newman. Paul I mean, Newman. Paul yeah. Newman, being that, you know, coming back from the, dude, I guess the sequel to. Fast uh, Eddie. Yeah, from, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, Paul Newman was so great in that movie. So I don't know if it's the best. It's probably not the best for most, but it's the one I would watch if I had to watch anything. Raging Bull, you know, anything with De Niro is going to be great. I mean, De Niro did Taxi Driver. 
and drove around, I think, for a month being a taxi driver. You know, he's just that. Mean streets, he did, yeah. Yeah, that's, he just, i tell you the one that's insane to watch is Raging Bull, where I think they stopped filming for a while. Put on the weight and did they, all that, physical transformation. The the, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, usually, you know, that's, yeah, that's just an insane way to do it. But um, it was hard for me. I mean, Shutter Island was good. The one that's probably the biggest surprise he did it the most you know kind of offbeat one was Kate fear to me is just i mean it's, i love that one too man nick nolte and de niro again oh man it's such a monster if you ever seen the original with gregory peck and then compare it to that i mean dude it is it is it is a that is just a really that max katie character in the way that de niro played it will keep you up at night I mean, it, it's a horror suspense that, you know, nobody really talks about it, you know, but I mean, it is as, it is as bad as any horror suspense as you'll see. It borders on a horror movie. Yeah, it does. Especially what, the finish. Yeah. Yeah. Borders on it. Okay. My five to one, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the band. So the last waltz might be a little bit of a surprise, but, uh, the documentary, he did with the band uh, as it closed out its run together, or I guess at least initially. Four, I've got Taxi Driver. You know, that was a movie that at one point they didn't know if they were even going to be able to get an R rating for, Tim. They were thinking it was stuck as an X at the time. Uh, it was that sort of revolutionary for that era. Three, I got Casino. Um, again, uh, all of this just about for me is going to involve Robert De Niro. I don't know how it cannot, but some strong Joe Pecci in here in my top three as well. Raging Bull, I got two. I love the black and white. The cinematography of it maybe is as good as anything that Scorsese is overseeing. And sort of reading up on that, uh, it was a film he didn't want to do. I think De Niro basically begged him and coerced him into doing it. And it was at a point in Scorsese's personal life where he was pretty much off the rails, but you wouldn't know it uh, by the flick. So I got good fellas at number one. I know, right? It's pretty, uh, um, pretty standard, but damn hard to beat that one. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, it is, it's amazing what that movie does. I mean, the, the, the vibe in it from the start, you know, the, to carry, you know, even the young Henry was an awesome character. You know, the, the long like follow shots, you know, of I mean the helicopter Karen and Henry going into the, the restaurant through the kitchen and into yeah. the cabana, and you know, it's just awesome. The helicopter scene alone was just like, <laughs> that doesn't give you anxiety. Nothing gives you freaking anxiety. Well, and you got the Stones and the soundtrack. Yeah, the you soundtrack, know, Monkey Man, that, old, that big old car he's driving. Yeah. I mean, just insane. You know, I, the I cocaine so, is the cocaine is coming through the screen. I really at that loved, point. I really thought that the movie sort of transcended when he shows up, goes across the street, pistol whips the crap out of this dude. Oh dog, yeah, walks That's back boy have the it. house with just the power walk, the power walk. Oh yeah, all important man. It says here, hide this, and she did it. Oh, that, that, she was, was all like, in. She's yeah, all that, in. Yeah, that's when that's when I was like, now. Good um, girls and bad guys, man. I mean, it's, it's all this time. Great mafia movies and shows always have the conflict of the wife who you're cussing. You're like, oh, shut up, you know, Carmel. <laughs> you're wearing a fur coat and seven diamonds because they judge their guys, but they also secretly love their guys for what they do. I'm a big Frank Vincent, late Frank Vincent fan. 
uh, Billy Bats, you know, and Goodfellas. Okay. And my, and I guess it, it, it shows up in my top three because Casino, Casino, Raging Bull, and Goodfellas, Frank Vincent. Yeah. Complimentary roles in those. I mean, sort of everybody sort of like ripped on her as a whole, especially after she did the crotch deal with the uh, Basic Instinct. Yeah. He was really, she became a better actress. I mean, a lot of people remember that, but she was really good in that movie, you know, as Casino. She was really good as the as the girl bouncing around and, and, and taking money and doing all that. I thought she was great in it. Yeah. Hey, let's get into the mailbag, the BOL roundtable mailbag for this edition of T. Watts and TR, our guy Jam Bama. First up, he wants to know what policies from the University of Alabama could help the UA baseball team, uh, Tim. And, uh, you know, I always go back to the lottery system, uh, certainly that is not in play in the state of Alabama. And then you even have some programs, I'm not going to mention any of them, Fandy, Fandy, uh, that have need-based aid that's specific maybe to the baseball program in some ways. What do you think, though, Tim, well, from a policy up. issue? Here's what I found screwed up about Vanderbilt. I just found this out this weekend. Um, they don't have a softball team. No, they have bowling. How the hell do they have – SEC's got 13 softball teams. Yeah. Fanny has eight first-round draft picks on their baseball team. Passing yeah. up the Major League Baseball money every year, signing these guys. Every year they got two guys in the top five of the month. How do they not have – how do they would not have the equivalent? And especially with the popularity of the sport That's and how it, it continues it, to grow. Is a softball contract. They bowl their asses off, though, Tim. I don't know, man. They've won some national time. I know it's, people laugh when they hear this, but I'm laugh. They, they bowl, man. They bowl. That's what they do. They bowl instead of the balling when it comes to softball. But, I no, I'm with you. I don't. I mean, how in the world is a baseball team that funded and no girls softball team? I don't understand how somebody's not over there pitching a fit. I'm yeah. surprised they get away with it. But, you know, I think, like, I've heard, I don't know if it's the in-state or out-of-state tuition, but I think Mississippi State waives it for one or the other. I mean, just get any kind of help. If you waive, and I don't right. know. I don't know anything about the universities, how to run it as far as financing, but um, I just feel like they could waive in-state tuition and maybe keep some of these kids in-state and then go and try to get the out-of-state kids with their 11 and a third scholarship or whatever. Um, I just don't feel it's a level playing field, which I don't understand. It's never been a level playing field. And the teams that figure out how to level the playing field, I mean, Vanderbilt hasn't always been this dominant team. Uh, that it has. I mean, they were an afterthought for many years, or at least as far as I know. I don't ever remember Vanderbilt baseball being that big a deal until the last decade. But once you figure it out, I think you get a, you know immense help. I know Mississippi State usually has a good program. They've got several kids signed from the state of Alabama. Um, I just I just feel like it's not a level playing field. I'm not trying to make excuses. I feel that Alabama's. Oh, it isn't. You it know, isn't. But Alabama had a guy they were really excited about. I forget his name. He's committed. Uh, he comes some Cape Cod League or something. Supposed to be a Friday starter, a weekend starter, and they lose him at the last minute to Oregon, who could give him a full ride, and they couldn't. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff like that. I don't think. I mean, you lose a, you know how important a weekend starter is. Sure. So I don't think that it's going to be. I just think until it's a level playing field, I don't know what they could do. I mean, some kind of break in tuition. Do whatever everybody else is doing would be my suggestion. That- whatever the hell. 
Mississippi State's doing, Alabama could do. You know? Sands, Sands lottery programs. Yes. That, yes. You know, provide. Whatever. I mean, I get in Vanderbilt. In state aid. In Vanderbilt, a private school. Yes. So I don't. So not private school. But, but they have need-based money that's institutional. Yeah. And uh, I would do whatever your uh, your peers are doing, LSU, Mississippi State, whatever they're doing that you can do, I would do the same as them. So we get asked this a lot. Jam Bama is asking this time breakout player of spring practice for Alabama will be. And this is one I always I'm careful with Tim because. You know, we watch spring games and like a Jai Hall last spring, right? Goes off. And so then it's, well, a Jai Hall is going to be a top two or three receiver for Alabama in the fall. It doesn't play out that way. And now everyone wants to know what the hell happened to Jai Hall. You know, I mean, Deontay Lawson last spring, we saw him in the spring game have a big uh, 8A game. And I still think Deontay Lawson is going to be a hell of a linebacker for Alabama. But I guess the point is just because you see it on April the 16th, Coming up in the spring game, it isn't necessarily going to mean that it translates to the fall. Just, just trying to temper things a little bit, Tim. Yeah, I agree. Nick Saban said that several times. I mean, really, you give people chances, and you know they do. They could make a big play. I mean, obviously Hall was one who made a big play. I mean, this year, I, you know, to Jam's question, I mean, I'm going to cheat and just say Gibbs. I think. Gibbs, yeah, I think Jameer Gibbs would be my my. I would feel I would feel most comfortable. Saying Jameer Gibbs right yeah, now. I'm be, with you. I had to bet money that would be a, who I'd bet on. I still, I still want to see a guy like, um, and it's still a lot of spring left, so this could change. I still want to see a guy like Terrence Ferguson break out and see what he's got. I want to see one of those tackles or Absolutely. two break out. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I Is Damian George really taking another step? That I'm more interested than that than I am anything else. Maybe with this football team in the yeah, spring. That, that that's that's what I would agree with, and I want to see those guys because that was a talented group. Brockermeyer's another one. That's a talented group. Yeah, guys that we want to you know Latham. You know yeah. where are these guys at? Yeah, we want to see where. Yeah, where because how if we, it isn't, then Tyler Steen may need to be the breakout player of the summer. Yeah, we need Brockermeyer. You know, we want to see a healthy Brockermeyer. I think that held yeah. him back a little bit last year, being dinged up and. Yep. Um, you know, I think when we get, you know, we get to see that, I think we're going to be pretty happy uh, with it. Um, you know, obviously you've got freshmen coming in. I'm not going to say they're going to be the breakout. I'd be surprised if they were. But the one that I will say, I think Jahad Campbell is going to like to watch him on the football field. So, there's, yeah, I don't know if he's going to make plays. You know, a lot of times you get guys that fast, that active. They'll run their self out of plays as much as run their self into plays, which is okay. You want to see that effort because you can. It's easier to tell somebody to slow down than speed up. Speed up, you got to punch, yeah. punch them in the kidney to get them moving. Heal, heal. A lot of times can but be Aaron easier Anderson, than sick them. Out of yeah. the freshman, Aaron Anderson, you're talking about. He definitely has that a day potential because yeah. of the position he plays and his skill set to to yeah. really. Yeah, he's gonna. He should be a pretty good route runner. I think he's a hard worker, uh, mm-hmm. and he's gonna have opportunity. I mean, uh, Jacory's out, right? So you got yeah. him out. Uh, obviously the Georgia kid. You know, you could any of the transfers. I mean, I don't know how much we'll see. You know, Burton Rick, Gibbs. Yeah, yeah. Gibbs, you know, he's got a chance. You know, Ricks could be the guy. I just don't know how much he'll get challenged. But I mean, you look at those two offensive guys. If Gibbs and uh, uh, that they're running with the uh, with the Bryce Young team definitely have a chance. I really want to see Anderson and Bryce Young teamed up. 
So if somebody could talk to Nick and get that done, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Ghost of Bryant in the mailbag asks, our three favorite Alabama games of all time, Tim. Oh, goodness. Three. I've got my three. You want to hear them? Yeah, absolutely. I'll go 2009 SEC championship game win over Florida in Tim Tebow. 1993 Sugar Bowl win over Miami. And then the 1979 Sugar Bowl win over Penn State with the goal line stand and the Don McNeil stop just outside the goal line that preceded it. So uh, I got some Bryant era in here. I've got some Biebs, Gene Stallings era in here, and I've got some Nick Saban for you. Yeah, definitely the Tebow game. Me and we were we were there um, to watch that game. It was exciting. It's, you know, Alabama, you know, I guess it was an upset. Probably in hindsight it wasn't. Beat Tebow. It was pretty cool because we left the uh, – uh, we were on the elevator leaving the hotel, and Emmett Smith's trying to get on. I think I told you this story. Emmett's like, oh, it's Pratt. I'll catch the, ne- catch the next one. And I said, come on in, dude. We can make room. We owe you that. It was an elevator full of Bama fans. <laughs> Emmett Smith's getting on there after taking that loss. That was a that was a great game and a great weekend. The Tua game, obviously, um, you know, that, that happened so fast. I mean, the, the you know, the last – Yeah, the whatever Georgia. Yeah. Last three plays, you know, where you know Georgia kicked a long field goal, Tua gets sacked, and Tua hits the bomb. That was just three of the <laughs> that three game, that three play segment. Third game, you know, I don't know. You know, the 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 Tiffin kick would certainly be up yeah. there. Yeah, um, probably one that stands out the most. I remember kids leaving. You know, the- there are some Mike Shula as a player era games that I gave consideration to, including that one. And as sort of an under-the-radar candidate, Georgia in 1985 on Labor Day night when they went into Athens and fell behind on a block punt return for a touchdown late, and then Mike took them down the field and hits Al Bell for the game winner. That one was – there's some Mike Shula-era wins as a player that that got consideration, maybe not so much as a coach. You know the the game where Alabama beat Florida in the swamp when Sean did you know did so well. Ninety nine, yeah, yeah, I was there. That, that was a pretty game. You know, even the game, it's always going to be marred. So most of Alabama fans won't say it, but the the, the game where Pro Throw got injured up until that 2005. moment, two thousand five, yeah, just tam- you know that just that was very <laughs> that, loud. Yeah, that yeah. just hit it. That just hit it so hard. Most people, I think. Include myself tend not to. There's been so the LSU wins could certainly be up there, um, and not just the one in New Orleans, but that 2009 game in Tuscaloosa, 2008 in Baton Rouge when Saban went back to LSU for the first time as Alabama head coach. What year that was one was uh, electric? What year was it when AJ cried, hit the screen to Yeldon? 2012. That was a. Yeah. In game, remember he AJ hit the stands. He was, yeah. when, you know, he was so. Growing up in Northeast Florida, a lot of mine though involved Florida because I was just inundated with the Gator Nation. Were so good, you kidding? Spurs. So yeah, and especially in the nineties. So and about yeah. that sign off, Lo, did you see this story in the Athletic about Urban Meyer? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, look, this- you know, let, let me. I, I got to thinking about this. You know, my brother works for the Jaguars, Chris Ryer. And so he worked for Urban Meyer last season. And then he also played for Mike Dubose. Think about the books 
Chris could write. I mean that that oh yeah. He's and most that. recently, especially this Urban deal. And he, you know, look, he, I, I don't that story where he was like, oh, hey, it, it's not it, enough for the Rams. I heard he could be a problem. I'm like, dude, certainly. Sure, well, you've looked at the here, here's here's one that I I was told about Urban, and it involved an assistant coach and a player, and the player and the assistant coach actually stayed after practice, which probably if you talk to the NFLPA, they don't they wouldn't approve of that, right? You know they they don't they, 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 there's rules in place about practice time and things like that from the NFLPA, but the player and the assistant coach stay after practice. And this guy's working to get better. They've made him a starter. And so he's doing more to try to improve after practice. They they spend an extra 20, 30 minutes on the practice field. They come across the practice field when they're done. And uh, Urban's response to the, to the whole thing is uh, run back out there and run off the practice field. You don't walk off. This was after he had done – extra work on his own. And that was his response to the player doing that. So yeah, that was urban. You know, I've been thinking, you know, at some point the NFL really has to hold an all professional franchise. Like the NBA is pretty good about it. When you do stupid crap, they punish you. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'll take your team from, you know, I mean the, the, the NFL is a little different because it really is a good old boys club of all those owners kind of being friends and sticking together. But at some point, I mean, Urban Meyer was never a good hire. Everybody said they were, he wasn't a good hire. Nobody said this is the guy to leave this pro, the, this franchise. Nobody said that. And then he comes in and he's a complete dipshit. I mean, he's got, <laughs> his own players dislike him. His the, the coaching and we know coaches on that staff dislike him. The player. I mean, look, Trevor Lawrence is a very mature dude. For him to have to go to Urban Meyer and say. We need to play James Robinson, our best player. It's embarrassing. And if Urban, if it's true, Urban Meyer said, if I cut y'all, y'all won't make, you know, y'all be lucky to make a job making $15 an hour. He needs his ass. I can't tell you that in one of his introductory sessions with the team that he said, no one else in this room has experience winning. I'm the only person in this room. And he was talking about the coaches that he had hired and the, the players, he essentially called them all losers except himself. I mean, Trevor, that was one of the initial. I mean, that's kind of. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was well, the Trevor <laughs> before Trevor, right? No, this is with Trevor. Well, Trevor was in three playoff, three. Yeah, seconds. I mean, won a national championship. He won a national championship. He went number one overall. I imagine said that everybody in there was losers, basically, except him. In that room, <laughs> he might be the guy that won the most. But let me tell you the guy in that room who's been the who's lost the most. It was yeah. fire. You fake <laughs> you faked a heart attack. You got punked by a twenty two year old girl at a bar. You stay taking L's right now. <laughs> I mean, dude, arrogance is one thing. Ignorance, arrogance and ignorance aren't very far mm. from cases. Mm. Yeah. We've gone down this urban rabbit hole and we have well, big I saw that yesterday and I was just amazed that you could tell grown oh, men. Yeah. That if I cut you, you'll be lucky making a job fifteen an hour. Anybody can make fifteen an hour now. Urban yeah. minimum wage is not three seventy five anymore. But well, Urban, Urban, one of the few games they won under Urban. You know, uh, after the game, there, there, the players in the NFL 
typically a reward is if you win, you, you, you don't have to be back to the facility until Wednesday, right? You don't have to come in Monday for like post-game stuff and all those things. Tuesday's a scheduled off day. But Monday, after a win, victory Monday, you're usually off. And, and, and what most coaches will say in that, in that setting after a win in the locker room is, see you on Wednesday. And the players go crazy. They love it. Well, they win a game. Irvin brings them up and, uh, and tells them – and he's got veterans on the team that are essentially prodding him at that point, tell us we're off to, tomorrow. You know, or, and, and, and he doesn't. He tells them that they're going to have a victory lunch at the facility. These are millionaires. These are pro athletes. They don't want some – steak dinner from the facility on a Monday, give them the day off. You know, he was well, so high school hairy and so much he did. Tell you know? that, that Jaguar, Even when they won, he got it wrong. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a guy who took three days off after losing, you know, stayed back. You know, <laughs> well, he was going to stay with, he wanted to see the grandkids. Yeah, he wanted yeah. to see the grandkids. And his and, niece, uh, apparently that was just his niece. Well, I tell you this Jaguars and you know this as well as anybody, I've watched their last few games because Trevor got better each game after Urban Meyer left. That's a fact, and he yeah. was great yeah. against the Colts. Well, I was told that Urban was becoming so overbearing, even in practice, that it got to the point where Trevor was struggling to make throws against air. You know, so I, I think what you're saying there, there's they, they beat a Colts team that was basically their Super Bowl. They it was the playoffs or bust for the Colts, and they beat they beat them. Trevor was really yeah. good in that game. So, yeah. all right. Yeah. We did <laughs> Big Bama boy asks as we wrap up updates on Kelby Collins, Peter Woods, James Smith, and Rusaw. Sounds like he's, uh, I guess, interested in some. Uh, these are defensive guys, right? And do you see any commits being anticipated in the near future, Tim? You know, I think these kids. I've said this so much. I don't really. I don't anticipate anything until they make an announcement. I don't think there's going to be a lot of surprise announcements, although there could be. You know, Elliott Washington committed to Alabama, um, kind of out of the blue, but then Hurley had an announcement. I don't anticipate it because most of them are going to say, I'm committing on Tuesday, I'm committing on Thursday, or, you know, whatever the day, my mom's birthday. Um, but Alabama's in, you know, good shape with all those guys. I mean, it's obviously going to be a battle. I'd say out of that group, they're, they're really close. Peter Woods is going, supposed to go back to Alabama for a visit. I think they're in really good shape there. Um, and obviously they're going to battle, you know, they're going to battle for a lot of these guys and they're top guys. I mean, these are national guys, Russaw, James Smith, all those guys are uh, going to be, you know, national guys who are going to take visits. They've already taken a lot of visits and with guys, you know, guys that are going to take visits during the season. I don't really see a rush to commit. In fact, I think it's best not to be committed when you take visits. You know, I think that the, I think there's a, there's an uncomfortable factor where if you're committed to a school and visiting another school, I imagine the school you committed to is wearing you out with text messages and calls. You know what I mean? With worry. Right. So I think the easiest thing to do is, uh, you know, just, you know, take your visits, enjoy your visits. When you, uh, you know, when you, you know, get, you handle everything, you know, make your commitment. So I don't really know, you know, anticipate anybody's commitments. I wouldn't rule it out, but I expect most to have an announcement of when they're announcing. Peter Woods might be the one that's the closest, though. And with that, it's a wrap 
for the latest edition of T Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. Tim, uh, spring break next week. So uh, is, is it Hawaii? Is that what I'm hearing here? No, we'll go there in March. March, I'm, okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, May. We'll be there in May. I can't keep up, you know, with yeah, the, uh, I was screwed. the like, exploits. You know? We best travel for that year and a half, basically. We went to Asheville, I think, but we're about to – we're about to set it off. Set it off. Well, uh, hopefully we didn't set people too far off with today's program. But it was a lot of fun. We covered certainly a lot of topics. And I uh, look forward to doing it again real soon. I appreciate it. See you guys on the roundtable. Absolutely. Hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board, board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. And we're going to have continuous updates, whether it's Alabama spring football whether it's recruiting, it's all nonstop coverage for you there with us at BamaOnline.com. And if you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online podcast? Wherever you consume pods, you're going to find us. If you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. As we said at the outset of the program, stay safe out there, everybody, with the ever-changing weather conditions And we'll join you again real soon right here back on the Bama Online Podcast. For Tim, I'm Travis. So long, everybody.